Good morning, afternoon, morning, afternoon-ish to everyone. Uh, great to see all of you. I know some of you parents especially, you see, eh? Uh, if Jeremy is up here, who is running children ministry downstairs? Okay, we have a very good team downstairs. Okay, so don't worry. So it's really a privilege to be able to actually share with you on a third service. Okay, very rare do I have the opportunity to share because most of the time at this time, I'll be running around with your children downstairs. Okay, so it's really an honor to be here. Uh, before we start, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this uh, time that we can be here together. We pray that, Lord, whatever is being sh- that will be shared, that, Father, Lord, would you just speak to us individually and personally? Holy Spirit, would you just uh, allow our hearts to just absorb something fresh from you today? That, Lord Jesus, I pray, as all of us are here listening, either on-site or online, that, Lord, your presence is with us. So we thank you for a wonderful time just being in your presence today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So before I start, this is something that I did with the second service as well, and I feel it's very important because we are a church, and a church is like a family. Uh, and many times we come to church, we sit down, we sit down either with our spouse or with our friends, but we never really notice the person behind us or beside us. Yeah? So can I just invite you for the next 30 seconds, say hi to someone else aside from your spouse or friend that's beside you, okay? Behind you, just say hello, welcome to church. If you didn't say hi to your wife this morning, now's the time to say. <laughs> if not, habis. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So as Pastor Isaac mentioned, we are in the series of Luke, and now we are touching Luke 15, okay, Luke 15, and it's speaking about three parables, okay, which I will go into details later, not all three, uh, but, but some of them, uh, and all three parables speaks about a certain message, and, and the word that was highlighted that I caught was the word lost, that's why I entitled uh, today's uh, message as the lost one. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, you have lost something before? A thing, something before. Give me a wave. Something that's precious to you. Oh, okay. Most of us have lost something that we truly treasure. When I was younger, okay, uh, around 10 years old, okay, I I have a very unique hobby, you can call it, or passion. I like to collect flashlights. Okay, I do not know why, and it's not those... Energizer, those 10, 15 ringgit flashlights, is those expensive ones. And what do I mean by expensive? It can cost hundreds to thousands, man. Uh, very weird one. Okay? So uh, when I was young, I had this uh, 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 idea that I wanted to get this particular flashlight. And, and it's, it's, uh, why is this so expensive? These are like military flashlights. And I like knives and all that kind of thing. Those hiking stuff. I, I love to collect that for, I don't know why. Lah. Okay? So this flashlight, if you, are, if you know all this kind, it's called Surefire. That's the brand. It cost 800 ringgit. So being a young boy, uh, after SPM, la, so after, I, I work law, I work in this uh, uh, brand's outlet, sell shit, man. okay? Four clothes and all that kind of thing. Uh. Save, save, save to be able to buy this flashlight. But then I still cannot afford. So I bought a cheaper one. La. Cheaper one, so 200 ringgit. Yeah, that is the face that my parents gave me. Like, what's wrong with you? Why you buy this kind of, spend money on this kind of thing? So never mind, like, they just obliged and let me buy. So I bought it. 
I kept it. And the, the happy thing was this. When I bought that particular flashlight, the 200 ringgit one, they gave me a voucher to join uh, uh, like a little conference where all these people who like flashlights will be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's such a thing. They call them flasherholics. Okay, it's a real term. Huh? You go and Google, it's a real term. Okay, so we gather. Lah. Don't, don't laugh at my passion, please. Okay, so I went to this little conference. Uh, not conference, like gathering. Lah, huh? Official one. And then they said, oh, because all of you are here, you can have a special lucky draw to win this particular flashlight, which is the one I wanted, the 800 ringgit. Like, yes! Wow, I thought I never prayed so hard before. So what I do, I just put my name inside that box and then da 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 At the end of the day, they all did like, okay, lucky draw time. Oh, like, yes, please, 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 please. Jeremy Poa. Wow! I tell you, I'm happy, you know. I think, oh, yo. It's like, it's so precious to me. I know some of you don't understand uh, why you like flashlights, but, but it was something very precious to me. So I used it for ministry, lor. The flashlight I use, okay? So I lent to people here and there, and then it came to one, I can't remember when, but uh, maybe about six, seven years ago, I lent it to someone to use it. After ministry, and, uh, and then I went to the person, hey, bro, can I have my flashlight back? He said, I thought I returned to you already. i like, no. Where is it? I don't know where. Long story short, it got lost. And I cannot find it anymore. And till today, sometimes I feel that I open the bag, I hope it's there, why not? Till today. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's just me. What I'm trying to share is this. When something is very precious to us and we lose it, you'll find ways to find it back or to replace it. In a sense. For me, it was that flashlight. For us, maybe it could be something else. For some of us, it could be a car. That a car is so precious to you and someone scratched it. Oh, angry, pain. You feel that the car is no longer a new car. It's different because there's a scratch. Different. For some of us, maybe it could be any other thing. Maybe a, a, a pair of football uh, boots. They're so precious to you. You kick, after you kick, you wipe it again. You kick, then you wipe it to make sure it's clean. I know, some people are like that. I used to be like that. So, in, in, in Luke, the word lost, Luke 15, the word lost has, is mentioned many times and that's why I entitled it as the lost one. And the three passages together, if there were three parables, and all three parables brought about a, a singular message, a very similar message which I will slowly unpackage it as we go into the three uh, different parables. Now, but I won't be going to every single one into detail, but i just like everyone to just catch the heart behind this parable. So for us to understand these three parables, we must first understand what is a parable. Okay, a parable, you can call it, it's uh, called a parabole, or in, in Greek, if you want to pronounce it that way. Para means alongside, so which means you put something like beside it. So like the Bible is here, I put this one beside Okay, and bole simply means uh, putting, throwing. So a parable is like a story that Jesus uses, uses a story, and alongside that story, there is a heavenly and spiritual truth that comes alongside it. So remember, a parable is like a story used, and there is a spiritual truth that comes alongside it. So, why Jesus used parables? Jesus, I tell you, is one of the best storytellers that you can find. He uses stories to be able to engage all different kinds of audiences. 
Because story is very easy. When you someone say, I would like to tell you a story, automatically your eyes will be open like, what's that story? So Jesus uses that technique to be able to speak to different kinds of audiences at that point of time. Now, I want to show you this little uh, table to just wrap all three parables so you can see the resemblance together. So, the first one in verse 1 to 7, which is the lost sheep. So, he speaks about a shepherd that has 100 sheep and then he lost one. What did he do? He went away, he left the 99 sheep in good care and went to find that one sheep. And in a sense, this can be very applicable to the audience there who were shepherds at that point of time. They will understand the depth and, uh, and understand why would a shepherd leave 99 to find that one. Maybe the other group of people might not understand, but as a shepherd, they would understand. The second part, which is the lost coin, this speaks about a, a woman who has 10 silver coins and loses one. She turns on the lamp in the house and quickly search for a sweep and everything, find every, everywhere for this particular coin. And it's understood that this coin is used for married women. Okay, it's like a, a set of uh, tre treasure in that sense that comes in a set of 10. So you lose one, it's very important to find that one piece. And this will, in a sense, be very applicable to a group of audience who are women or married women at that point of time. And then the last parable, which is the parable of the lost son or prodigal son, as some of you might understand it as. This man had two sons. The youngest one asked for his inheritance. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to break it down a little bit more later, but the idea is that the youngest son asked for his inheritance and they took it and left, squandered everything, but then at the end of the day, he came back. He came back and then uh, the father forgave him and all that. This story is very applicable to parents, that they will understand as parents the love of a father. So Jesus, in these three parables that were shared back to back, he shared to a group of people and majority of them will understand the different uh, uh, principles within the different parables to them. But today, I want to focus on the lost sheep, which is the first one. So this is the, in, uh, in the Bible, verse one to seven, Luke 15, verse 1 to 7, it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Verse 5, And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. I'm going to go back to first one because the focus is on the lost sheep. Now, you see in this part, I highlighted the word tax collectors and sinners. Why I want to highlight this part? Because for us to understand these two verses, verse 1 and 2, speaks a lot about the society then. I'm going to read it again. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him, which is Jesus, to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. For us to understand the depth of this, mess this uh, passage, 
we need to understand how society was at that point of time. Let's go. At the highest, in that sense, are the religious leaders, politicians, or at the top level of the caste system. Go all the way to the extreme low are the sinners, the lepers, the people who are sick, you know, those uh, uh, disabled people. Slightly above them are the tax collectors, shepherds. They are viewed as a very low caste. Why is a tax collector <clears throat> highlighted here? A tax collector is treated or viewed as like a traitor by the Jews. Because why tax collectors were Jews who are working for the Roman government. And sometimes they have the tendency to overtax and then put whatever extra is in their pocket. So that's why, in, in that sense, in society, these people are looked very looked down upon. And why did the Pharisees intentionally say this? That Jesus, you are this guy who eats with this type of people. If I use today's language, the Pharisees were trying to cancel Jesus. He was trying to make Jesus that Jesus, you know what? I thought you said like you're a rabbi and all those, you're supposed to be quite high up there. Why are you mixing with this, you know, lower class people? And in the Jewish understanding, when one person of a higher caste mixed with just say a, a leper for that sense, it's actually that act itself shows that they're actually defiling themselves. And they had to go through the whole cleansing and all that. They were trying to show Jesus that Jesus, you are actually very low in this whole society. What are you doing with them? And who are you? Because you are such a person that's so low here, who are you to speak to us? You see, Jesus was very intentional when he spoke with the tax collectors and sinners. Because Jesus in his life, he countered a lot of culture. Counterculture. Any culture that's not in alignment to the culture of the kingdom, Jesus will counter it. Because why? He was not there to make them happy. He was there to bring a spiritual truth to them. Just like the parable. Jesus was living his life and alongside his life, he was bringing kingdom principles for people to catch. And as we look into the parables later, you'll understand a bit more why Jesus spent time with these Pharisees and tax collectors. One of which is we will slowly catch the heart of God. The heart of God for the people who are lost, the heart of God who are people who are marginalized. Now, so let's go into the parable a little bit more to understand, okay? So this one is the parable of the lost sheep. So again, shepherd, 100 sheep, lost one, went out and find this sheep and then brought him back and rejoiced. Now, in case you do not understand what a sheep is, okay? This is a picture of a sheep, okay? Very cute, very fluffy. How many of you have seen a sheep before? Give me a uh, raise of your hands. Oh, a lot of you. Yeah, Baba, black sheep, that one. Uh, okay. Some of you, I'm not sure you touch. It's a very cute animal. Now, for us to understand the parable, we need to understand how a sheep is. Okay. A sheep is an animal that requires care, someone to take care of it, a shepherd. You see, sheep has been domesticated to the point that if the sheep is lost, the fur will grow, the coat will grow so much to the point that it will cover the eyes, it becomes so frizzy and becomes so heavy to the point that the sheep cannot walk. It's too heavy. That's why they need to shear off the, 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 the coat of fur so that to let it grow again and nice and then they sell or do whatever with it. But sheep has been domesticated to the point 
they require someone to take care of it. And sheep cannot survive on its own outside. You don't see a sheep attacking people in a sense like, ah, this is my territory. Don't come near me. Sheep are not predators. They are the ones that get eaten. Correct or not? You don't see a sign as you go out, beware of sheep. You see beware of dogs, beware of lions, but you don't see beware of sheep because naturally, a sheep is not a predator. It is an animal that requires constant care. That's why coming back to this table, when one of the sheep got lost, the shepherd let go of the 99, which I believe that there were other shepherds taking care of the 99. Because a good shepherd would not leave 99 wandering around to go for that one. It doesn't make sense. So I believe, although it's not mentioned in the Bible, but I believe the shepherd would have had some form of security net for the 99 for him to be able to say, okay, I'm going to leave the 99 to find for this one sheep. Because he knows as a shepherd who takes care of sheep, he knows that if he does not find this sheep, this sheep is going to be someone, someone's lunch. Another animal's lunch. It's going to die. It will not be able to survive on its own. So the shepherd took that risk to get out to find this one sheep that is very precious to him. This parable, this analogy, represents the heart of Jesus. The shepherd. Imagine a shepherd who is willing to do so much for our sheep. What more Jesus, Father God, would do for us? What more? We know the word says that Jesus, He is our good shepherd. What more would He do for us? The lost ones. What about the 99? What does it represent? Some people believe that the 99 are the Christians that have been living very righteously, good Christians, if I can put it that way. They were following after Christ, you know, that's why they, uh, they are okay, that's why they did not need any repentance. But there's another group of people that views it that these 99 are actually over-righteous people that feel that they do not need to repent because they feel that they are so righteous, just like the Pharisees. That's why Jesus said, ah, I can just leave you. I'd rather go for the one that's willing to repent. There are two different views. It depends on what view you hold, but I'm not going to focus on that views. I want to focus on the lost one. The lost one that went away, that the shepherd went after. Jesus, representing like the shepherd, the good shepherd, would go out for the lost one. The lost one. And what does it mean? Like Again, like I showed just now, that Jesus said that I am the good shepherd shepherd. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. My first point is this, that Jesus is actively, actively searching for the lost one. He's not just waiting like the sheep waiting for you to come back, find your way back home. No, he's there actively searching for the lost one. And today, if we are not shepherds, right? Most of us are not shepherds. Maybe we don't understand so much. If I use the word lost, if I focus on the word lost today, what does the word lost mean to us today? Because as I said, 
the title of today's message is The Lost One. What is the meaning of lost today? And this is something that I feel what, is, what it means based on Scripture. Then I'm going to use the word lost to break it down. So the first one, the first alphabet is L. And I feel that people who are lost are people who leave the presence of God. They choose to be outside the circle, in a sense, of, 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 of the community of Christ. Maybe it could be unintentional due to the nature of various circumstances in their life. Maybe work brought them somewhere else and they do not have a community to be, a Christian community to be in. And that's, what, that's why naturally they leave the presence. They are not in church. I spoke to a parent just now. I said, uh, like the daughter went overseas. No church. Or she was not actively finding a church. Slowly, all these situations in, in life causes us to either intentionally leave the presence of God or unintentionally. When we leave the presence of God, we are in danger of opening ourselves to the world. We are endangering ourselves to the attacks of the evil one. That the decisions, decisions that we make are no longer based on biblical principles, but it's based on the community that we are now in. Because now we have left the presence of God and now we are in another community. And therefore, whatever we think, whatever we say, we will be very dependent on what is accepted in that community. That's the beginning of being lost, that we leave the presence of God. And what does the Bible say about not being in constant uh, 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 connection with God? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who, abides in, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. This is in John. This verse speaks about cons being constantly abiding in the presence of God. When we remove ourselves from that, friends, we are endangering ourselves. Because why? We will no longer be living by the Word of God. We'll be living in what we think is right. And this will open another set of problems that as we leave, we open ourselves. It's O, L-O. We open ourselves to the dangers around us. So I picked this picture to represent like a, a safari, a savannah, okay? So when you watch National Geographic or Animal Planet, you will see that in this one, you will hear somebody in the background, oh, there's a herd of gazelles, deers, galloping away in the distance. And in the corner, a lion awaits, waiting for the moment to attack. But if you look at it, if you really watch the whole thing, the lion, the pride of lions, will normally not attack the herd of animals normally. What does it do? It waits. It waits for a moment where the, the, the herd of, just say the gazelle, one gazelle decides to come out of the herd. Either because 
It's a bit weaker. It's maybe a bit smaller, not as strong. Or maybe the, the, the gazelle is just very uh, kepo. Just decides to find something. Oh, distracted by something. And the whole herd goes here. This one decides to jump this side. That lone ranger, that lone standing gazelle is the one that the lion would pounce and attack. Why? Because there's no more safety. He has left the safety of the herd. It has allowed himself to be open to whatever dangers that is out there. Who is our enemy that's out there when we leave ourselves open? The evil one. And this is what the Bible says about our enemy. Be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about roaring uh, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Friends, can I be honest with you? Many times we feel that it's okay, lah. I think I can handle myself. I'm strong. It's okay, you know. I, I don't have to attend church. I don't have to be in the community of Christ. I'm okay. I can handle myself. You know, generally, I don't sin. I'm quite a good person. I feel I'm, I'm quite alright. Can I say this with the utmost respect that I can offer everyone? We are not strong enough. You, me, we are not strong enough to handle the evil one when we are out of the presence of God, when we are out of the security of God. Because why? Who is this devil? Who is this? What is this battle that we are fighting against? It says here, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Friends, we are going against dark forces, spiritual dark forces, not just physical temptation. Friends, that is so small. There's so much more. Our evil one is a very deceiving, the devil is very deceiving. He makes us think that we can go through life without God. He makes us think that we are strong enough. But we are not. When we leave God, open ourselves to all these things that the world has to offer. Sooner or later, as we open ourselves to say, oh, I think it's still okay. No, I will just continue to just be open to what the world has to offer. I'm very, I think I'm very protected. I'm okay. Before long, before long, we will be sucked into the world. L-O-S-T, this is the S. We'll be sucked into the world that to the point we cannot differentiate who is the master of our life anymore. That the master of our life could be the community that we live in. The master of our life could be our own self, our own mind, our flesh. Because why? God is no longer in the picture. God is no longer there. We are so open to everything else. You know, the world has so much lies that's being offered right now. As we all know, the whole gender identity thing. Simple, even as simple as children or even teenagers lying in exams, in their essays. For example, 
We know ChatGPT is here, right? And certain colleges do not allow ChatGPT to be used as part of your main source for uh, their essays. What is the simplest way that they make it that, oh, it's okay? They use ChatGPT, they put it in the essay, and then they say, oh, uh, they write, they, they sign at the bottom, or oh, this is written by me. It seems like a very simple, small lie. But friends, that is already the worldview of the world. It's no longer a Christian principle to just lie like that. Where is the integrity? Where is the honesty as a Christian? Our children are going through this kind of thing today. And for some of us in our workplace, maybe the line between what is biblical and what is of the world is already blurred. Because why? The community that we are in allows us or expects us to live in a way that is not godly. We are sucked into the lies of the world without even knowing sometimes. And when this happens, it gets worse. When we leave the presence of God, when we open ourselves to all these things that the world has to offer, and we get sucked into it, and we live as, as though it's part of our life, what happens? We get trapped. We get trapped in the whole concept of what life should be, not based on biblical principles, but based on what the world says for it to be. And we get so tangled up that we just totally now walk away from God. And it comes to a point of time that sometimes we feel it's so much easier to disobey God than to obey Him. Disobedience comes like, a, like second nature to us. That's when we know we are trapped. Now, even as I'm sharing about all this, about being lost, maybe some of you are thinking of someone that has unfortunately left the presence of God, left God, left the church, and is living life based on what the world has to offer. Or maybe some of us here today feel a little nudge in our heart that, hey, have I left God? Am I that lost one? The word lost has very different meaning to every one of us. And sometimes we are lost without even knowing. I want to now bring our focus to the next parable, which is the lost son. Okay? To give you a background of this prodigal son, the younger son asked his father for inheritance, took the money, went out, used it, squandered everything, did everything that he could think of and regretted what he, wanted, what he did and thought that, I think I better just go back home to my father. Hopefully, he would welcome me back, but I will not come back as a son. I want to come back as a servant because we understand that this father is, is 
wealthy to a certain extent because he had servants to serve him. And this son felt that he has dishonoured his father and therefore I, should, I, I am not able to come back as a son. I want to go back home to be a servant so I can serve my father. And he came back. And we know the story very well that the father welcomed him back with open arms, hugged him, gave him a robe, gave him a ring, threw a celebration for him. Because the father said, no, you are still my son. No matter how lost you were, you came back home. You are still my son. So that's the story that we are all very familiar with. But I would like to show you a different angle that we look from it from the oldest brother's perspective. As the son came home, there was a celebration. Let's look at this story from the older brother's eyes. I'm going to act it out a little bit, okay? So just bear with me, yeah? Older son, older son, okay? Pa, what is this? What I hear got sound, got music. I hear got, got food there. There's like a celebration. What's happening? I was working just now and I came back. I heard sounds. Is, is something happening? Is that a celebration? Father, in case you didn't get it. Okay? This is the father. Oh yes, there is a celebration. Don't you know? Your brother, my younger son, is back. That's why we're having this wonderful feast. Come, come. Let's enjoy together. It's a wonderful celebration. You see, we also cut all the fattened calf. We got so many things here. Come and celebrate. It's a joyous moment that your brother is home. We must celebrate. Celebrate? Pa, something wrong with you. Ah. Your son took your inheritance, your money, squandered it outside, used every single thing, dishonoured you, and he come back. You want to celebrate him? What nonsense are you talking? He disrespected you and now you want to celebrate What's wrong with you? Hey, I have been here serving you since the beginning. And never once you did a celebration for me. I slave for you. I did so much for you. Now your son who dishonored you came back. You celebrate him. What's wrong with you? Son, I never asked you to slave for me. I have servants, servants to serve me. Why can't you understand that you are my son 
and that your brother is back. He was lost and now he's found. This is something to celebrate. He is your brother. Why can't you understand that you have always been my son? Friends, many of us are like the older brother. The older brother never left the father's presence, if you notice. He was always there. But he was still lost. He never understood his identity as a son. Being lost is not just about leaving the church or even the presence of God. We can be faithfully coming to church. We can be faithfully reading the Bible. We can be faithfully serving God, just like the older son, serving and serving. But our heart never understood Father God's heart. And if we do not understand His heart, we are lost as well. There's so much we can learn from the older brother. That probably as I'm speaking, I, I see some heads nodding because that is us. For a certain period of our life, maybe, we were lost. We come to church, we are sitting here. But deep in our heart, we do not know Father God. Just like the Pharisees, the scribes, they were actively following Jesus in a sense as He was preaching, but they still never knew the heart of Jesus. So knowing all this, knowing that Jesus is actively searching for these lost people, what does He want us to do? Very simple. Jesus just wants us, wants the lost one to repent and return. It's just to repent and return. If I look in the Scripture of the three parables together. I put it this way. And I've highlighted a few words. Parable of the lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Parable of the lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And the last one, the prodigal son, the lost son. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and is now found. When we see this, when a sinner repents and comes back home, there is celebration. There's rejoicing. Because why? Remember I shared the story in the beginning when I, I lost my flashlight. I was heartbroken that I lost it. If I, as a normal human being, can feel so much lost over an item, what more would Father God feel when one of us leaves Him? Imagine how broken Father God's heart is when one of us leaves Him. We get lost. 
And why does he celebrate this much? Because imagine when, if, when that person that was lost comes back, that brokenheartedness of Jesus, of Father God, will know, oh, you are finally home. I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. Pastor Kim mentioned yesterday in her sermon, which I really liked, was in the prodigal son, the father. We believe the father never once chose not to care for his son. That he always loved his son. Even though the son dishonoured him, even though the son did whatever that could just dishonour the family name even, the father still loved him. That's why when the son was in the distance, the father ran, ran to him and hugged him. And I believe if I was there, I, I would believe that there would be a lot of forgiveness at that point of time. The son would probably be on a kneeling down, I'm so sorry, Father. I'm so sorry for what I've done. Please forgive me. Let me be your servant. I am not, I, I cannot be called your son anymore. I'm not worth to be called your son. And the father, being a loving father, would have just hugged him and said, no, I still love you. You are my son. Welcome home. Welcome home. That's why he gave that rope that ring to let the son know once again that no matter how lost he was, he is still identified and recognized and welcomed home as a son. You know, today, even as I'm sharing this, maybe for some of us, we are that lost one. Maybe we are like that lost sheep that decided to just disappear from church, from God. Maybe some of us are like that older son that we have always been here, but we never really actually understood the heart of God. Or we know of someone who is lost. Your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your friends. That they have been trapped in the world, left themselves open to the world, to the point that they find it so hard to come back. And I want to remind all of us once again, as the Bible says that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray and that each of us has turned to our own way. Friends, can I once again encourage you again to tell you with the most honour and respect that I can offer. I know I'm very much younger than many of you here, some. So, uncle, aunties, friends, families, <laughs> can I say lower your defences, lower our defences. If we have gone astray, just repent to Father God. Repent and come back home. Because that is really the heart of the Father. Jesus answered them, 
it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not, have I not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance? Many of us, we also have this mindset that, yes, I, I, I'm that lost one. I'm that lost one, but let me correct myself first before coming to Jesus. I'm not worthy to come before Jesus. I've heard that many times. You know what? That's the lie of the evil one. The word says, all the more. It is the unhealthy, the broken, the lost that need me. You don't have to correct yourself first. Because we can't. Again, we're not strong enough. We can't. That's why Jesus said, that's why I'm here. As Kim just now did, Jesus loved us so much that he died on the cross for us. To show you that, hey guys, you cannot do it by yourself. Let me help you. Just like the older son. In all his brokenness, in all his filth, in all his unworthiness, he just came running back to the father. And the father welcomed him home. Friends, I really hope whatever I'm sharing here today, that the Holy Spirit is doing something in your heart today. And I want to end with this very wise words by this person, a scholar. God is not passive, waiting for people to approach Him after they get their lives in order. He is the seeking God who takes the initiative to bring people back, regardless of how lost they very powerful. Very powerful. So in a while, I'm going to open the altars. I believe that this message is given to us at a time for us to know that there is forgiveness. There's forgiveness in the heart of God, in the presence of God today. And I want to pray for two groups of people. The first group of people, if today you feel that you are that person, that you are that lost one, that you have done so much, you feel so broken, you feel that even my friends, my family cannot forgive me. I've done something so wrong. Father God wants to heal that heart today. He wants you to just come home. The other group of people, maybe you know of someone who is lost today. Could be a friend, a family member, a, a colleague. And as I was speaking, God placed that name in your heart. I would like to invite you to come to the front as well, to stand in proxy of your friend. Because again, the heart of the Father is for the lost one. Let's not miss this opportunity because I know God is here. He really wants to heal us. And at the end of the day, 
He just wants us to come home. So as the as we worship today, can I invite everyone to stand? And if that is you, the two groups of people, can I just invite you to come to the front and allow us to just journey with you and pray for you? Even as ministry is going on, I just feel in my spirit to make this call. If anyone, any one of you here today, you do not know this Jesus, and today is your first time hearing about Him, and you say, "Can I invite Jesus, this Jesus, into my heart? Because I don't want to be that lost one." I want Jesus to guide me, and if that is you, can I invite you to also come to the front and just tell the person in front of you that that is me. I want to invite Jesus into my heart. Okay, you don't have to raise your hands. Just walk to the front, and one of our pastors and leaders will pray for you. But just mention that I want to invite this Jesus into my life today. We just thank you for today, Father. We thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your peace. We thank you for your extended arm to us to welcome us back home. Truly, Lord, you are that good shepherd. Truly, Lord, you are a good father. We thank you, even for all of us here, that even as we go forth from this place, Lord, would you, your peace follow us, that your face will always look upon us, that Lord, your favor will be upon us at wherever we go in the workplace. That Lord, we thank you that right now there's so many people here. That Lord, heaven is rejoicing, that people are coming back home. We thank you, Lord Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's let's rejoice. Come on, everyone. Let's give Jesus a big cap offering today. Service is over, but ministry time is still happening. So, if you need prayer, can I invite you to to come in front as well? And for the rest of you, if you if you like to exit, just exit in a, a quiet manner to honor the rest of the people here who still need prayer. Thank you so much. Do join us at the hospitality lounge so that we can get to know you a little bit better. Thank you, everyone. See you guys online. See you next week.